Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Evangelist Janice Nelson, and I want to welcome you to season two of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole, a weekly women's Bible study podcast. Today is Sabbath Sunday, June 19th, the year of our Lord, 2022. In this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from the word of God. Ladies, God's gift to us of Jesus Christ is the full measure of the magnitude of God's love. And there is no greater truth than the fact that God has loved us in Jesus Christ with a love that endures forever. Amen. It is because the love of God endures forever and the faithfulness of God prevails that we can trust him. When we come back, we are going to talk about how the love of God endures forever. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. Today, we are talking about how the love of God endures forever. Our scripture reading is taken from Psalms chapter 117, verses 1 and 2. And I will be reading from the New International Version of the Bible if you want to follow along with the scripture reading. Now, beginning in Psalms, chapter 117, the word of God says, praise the Lord, all ye nations, extol him, all you people, for great is his love towards us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his word. Amen. Ladies, this Psalm 117 is the shortest psalm in the Psalter, but it is packed full of faith and has an enormous reach. This psalm is comprised of just two verses, but in it, the Holy Spirit does an impressive amount of teaching about five profound doctrines, the calling of the Gentiles, a summary of the gospel, the end and goal of each blessing, the duties of God's people, and their privileges. As such, this shortest psalm in the Psalter is one of the most potent and most seminal because it is a missionary psalm that calls God's people everywhere to praise God because the love of God endures forever. So let's unpack Psalm 117. Ladies, the most obvious feature of this psalm is that it calls all nations and all peoples to praise God. Nations is the Hebrew word goyim, G-O-Y-I-M, and it's translated Gentiles, and is sometimes used for Israel itself. 
peoples is a rare plural form of the Hebrew word am, am. Am refers to a wide diversity found in national and ethnic groupings. Together, the words embrace all peoples everywhere, precisely the sense present in Revelation 7 verse 9, where John speaks of, quote, a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, end quote. This is true Christian universalism, not because all people will be saved regardless of the God they believe in, but because all people may be saved through Jesus Christ. This is a profound missionary psalm that calls all people everywhere to praise God. Ladies, we are always in danger of rejecting or restricting this universalism and neglecting our call to be missionary people because of our tendency to be self-satisfied and look down our noses at other people. This was also true of the Jews during the time of the early church mission. However, since the beginning of the Bible, God taught that the gospel was for all people. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, God told Abraham, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. But the Jews forgot this. They were not opposed to the Gentiles becoming Jews as long as the number of conversions were not too great and as long as they respected the Jewish traditions and customs. The Jews were not willing to have the Gentiles remain Gentiles and become the people of God as well. This was evident in the battle that the Apostle Paul fought at the First Church Council when he argued that Gentile believers had been accepted by God even though they were not circumcised and did not keep traditional Jewish laws. Likewise, re-Christians have been guilty of the same thing. We have been so in love with our own Christian ways that we have rejected or been suspicious of believers who are different. We have been resistant to having anyone else become a part of our precious inner circle, and we have neglected our missionary responsibilities, including the people to the people in our own communities. We should be ashamed of our self-centered, narrow-minded exclusivism. Now, in Romans chapter 15, the Apostle Paul cites Psalm 117, verse 1, saying, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Then in verse 10, he says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. In Romans 15, verse 11, he says, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the people extol him. 
And then in Romans chapter 15, verse 12, the apostle Paul says, the root of Jesse will spring up one who will arise to rule over the nations in him, the Gentiles will hope. These verses demonstrate how Christians who consider themselves strong should treat their weaker brothers and sisters and how the weak should regard the strong. And Paul cites proof of this from the Old Testament. For example, Romans chapter 15, verse 9 echoes Psalm 18, verse 49. Romans chapter 15, 10 echoes Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43. Romans chapter 15, verse 11 echoes our Psalm chapter 117, verse 1 text. Let all the people extol him. And finally, Romans chapter 15, verse 12 echoes the Old Testament text found in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10. What is interesting about the Old Testament text that Paul cites is that they do not deal with the relationship between weaker and stronger people specifically. Rather, they are prophecies that the gospel would one day be extended to the Gentiles. Isn't it wonderful that the gospel would be extended to the Gentiles when the Old Testament taught the exclusive privileges of the Jews as God's unique and chosen people with no hope for the Gentiles apart from their becoming Jews? Early in the book of Romans, the apostle Paul asked the question, if there was or was asked the question, if there was any advantage in being a Jew, he answered much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What Paul meant was that the Jews had the Bible while the Gentiles did not. Notice that Paul interrupted his list of the Jewish advantages, but picked it up in Romans chapter 9, verses 4 through 5, which says, there is the adoption of sonship. There's the divine glory, the covenant, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. There's are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. The Gentiles had none of these advantages. So Paul was unable to tell the Ephesians that before they heard of Christ and believed on him, that they were, quote, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. But if salvation is from the Jews, as Jesus told the woman of Samaria at the well, meaning that God had been working with the Jews exclusively from the time of Abraham to the time of Jesus Christ, then it is accurate. For many centuries, God worked with Israel specifically and there was no hope of salvation for the masses of the world who were not Jewish. However, and fortunately, this 
former absence of hope was not the final word for the Gentiles because Gentile salvation was promised in the Old Testament through the future. And Gentile salvation is the great insight of our Psalm 117 text today. When we consider the many verses the Apostle Paul cited to hammer home his point, we gain some insight into how carefully he must have had to argue this truth about Gentile salvation when preaching or teaching the Jews. Can you imagine? Verse two of our text says, for great is his love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. This verse is the reason the Gentiles and the Jews are called upon to praise God. It is God's love, a love that endures forever. Verse two is also based on the favorite text of the post-exilic Jewish community, namely Exodus 34, verse six, which is picked up as early as David's psalm of praise on the occasion of his bringing the ark of God to Jerusalem in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34. And it is repeated in Psalms 118. Exodus chapter 34. Verses six through seven says, and he, that would be God, passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. It would be untrue to say that the teaching about God's love is absent from the early Psalms, but it is emphasized only as we come to the end of the Psalter, probably because it was the attribute of God uppermost in the minds of the chastened remnant as they returned to Israel from their 70 year long Babylonian captivity. The Egyptian Hillel, would have focused their thoughts on the greatness of the love of God that had preserved them as a nation in spite of their great sin. Yet if the Jews who returned from Babylon were aware of the greatness of God's love for them, how much more should Christians be aware of it? We Christians who have come to know it through the atoning death of God's son, our savior, Jesus Christ. Consider now John 3.16, the best love, the most memorized and quoted verse in the entire Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's gift to us, Jesus Christ, is the full measure of the magnitude of God's love. And there is no greater truth than the fact that God has loved us in Jesus Christ with a love that endures forever, just as our Psalm 117 Verse two text says, again, verse two of our text says, for great is his love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. 
the word great is our English and our English language means something large, remarkable, distinguished, or superior. In Hebrew, the word great refers to someone or something prevailing over something else because of his or its superior quality. For example, it is used of the stronger side in battle, as in Exodus chapter 17, verse 11, which says, as long as Moses held up his hand, the Israelites were winning or prevailing, but when he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Genesis 17, verse 18 says, the waters rose and increased greatly on the earth. That is prevailed over it. And then we have this same word used in Psalm 65, verse 3, which says, when we were overwhelmed by sin, you forgave our transgressions. The point is that when the word great is used in connection with the love of God for his people, it also has the idea of God's love prevailing over any and every obstacle or enemy. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39, when he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The word faithfulness in verse 2 of our Psalm 117 text in Hebrew is the word amen, A-M-E-N, which is translated truth, steadfastness, or reliability in English. We see this in the New Testament words of Jesus, oftentimes rendered as truly, truly, amen, can be found in nearly every language in the world, but it originates in the Hebrew verb meaning to support with the arm or carry. It is intrascentive or in its intrascentive form, the verb meant that which is supported, or that which is upheld. As such, it came to mean firm or unshakable. This word occurs in its original sense in Isaiah chapter 22, verse 23, which says, I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. This ver verse is in reference to a firm place in the wall where a nail can be driven and it is taken or it is about an un the unshakable character of God's kingdom. The Old Testament word has taken on two important uses that at least became dominant ones. First, the word was used of God as one of his attributes, which is what we have in our Psalm 117, 117 text. This usage was perfectly natural because the word meant unshakable. Then it is rightly applied to God who alone is utterly unshakable. 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but God will never pass away, nor will his word. Therefore, we find God spoken of as the amen or amen, or as the God of truth. It is in this sense that the prophet Isaiah speaks of God in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 16, which says, whoever invokes a blessing in the land will do so by the one true God. Whoever takes an oath in the land will swear by the one true God, for the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes. The Hebrew text says, by the God of the Amen. Ladies, being faithful is but one of God's characteristics, and it is his faithfulness that is mentioned in our Psalm 117 text today. Verse 2 says, for great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. It is the faithfulness of God that endures forever, and the love of God that prevails this verse is an example of the Psalms characteristically parallel constructions so that what is said in one line is repeated in the second line with only the slightest alteration in meaning. Our text says, praise the Lord, all ye saints, extol him, all you people. For great is his love towards us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Since the terms are parallel, we can just as easily say that the love of God endures forever or the faithfulness of God prevails. In fact, it is because God is faithful does not lie in his words or vary in his commitments that we, that his love prevails. Further, it is because God's love does not vary that we can trust him. The second use of the word amen is familiar to Christians because we use it to express our agreement with what God says. When God says something, we say amen to indicate that we are setting our seal to the fact that God is truthful. Can you say, I have found that God's love is indeed great and prevails and that his truth endures forever, amen? If so, you will say, as Psalm 117 says, praise the Lord. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, we have several ways in which you can do that. First, via the Tidely app at Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. Second, at Givelify, that's G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y.com. You may donate to Broken Vessels hyphen Mended and Whole. Or you may mail whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. We are a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization located at P.O. Box 34637, Los Angeles, California, 900. 
Please join me next week for another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. And don't forget to check in with me on Facebook Live at Evangelist Janice, that's J-A-N-I-S, Nelson, today at 12 noon Pacific Daylight Time. In the meantime, take good care and may God continue to bless you. Amen.